1 Timothy chapter 2, and we'll read verses 1 through 10. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Say this, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Second Timothy chapter, First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you tonight through the blood and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we praise you and worship you. And uh, Lord, we thank you that Sister uh, Sarah is uh, uh, out of the hospital and in rehab. And we pray you continue to touch her and heal her. Uh, thank you, Lord, for the praise that Sharon was able to get tonight. Lord, uh, for vehicles. Lord, we need those to go to work, to go to church, and uh, just in daily life. And so, Lord, thank you for answering uh, that prayer. Lord, I thank you that Sonny's here tonight. Just continue to touch him and uh, help him physically and in every area, Lord. And uh, just thank you for allowing him. And uh, Lord, others that are sick among us, Lord, please touch them. Lord, we think of Sister Judy's unspoken. Lord, it's not unspoken to you. You know what it is. You care about what it is. And Lord, you have a will concerning whatever that is. Lord, we think of Sister Meredith up there with her uh, brother. Lord, we pray that even now, Lord, no doubt he's heard the word of God. So, Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit would take that word that he's heard and convict and uh, deal with his heart and open his heart, uh, dear Lord, and help her. Lord, I think of this one David mentioned that he witnessed to and one uh, that I had the privilege of witnessing to yesterday. And others, Lord, that have handed out tracts, Lord, take the seed that's been sown, uh, dear God, and bring forth the increases only you can do. Lord, think of Sister Karen with the things coming up there. And others, dear God, we cast these things upon you. Now, Lord, teach us uh, through thy word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, as we look at these verses, uh, we're going to focus on verses uh, 9 and uh, nine and 10. <laughs> look at these tonight. You know, I was thinking as I look at these, you know, it's sad. I'm going to say this. And of course, you know, uh, as we look at these verses, let me say this. It's sad that not only in the world today, but also in the church today, there are things that are considered controversial that ought not to be. Like what we find in these verses. Why would what we learn from these verses be controversial in the house of God? Usually when you try to teach these verses or clear biblical standards, you get called a legalist, a very misused word among believers, or a Pharisee. And of course, I do believe some people take things and they become Pharisaical about them. But that should not make us shy away from still teaching clear 
biblical standards. We should never walk away. And listen, uh, as a, and of course, as a preacher, we're called to preach everything in the Word of God. And our job is to preach it, whether, whether uh, the people sitting there agree with us, whether our family agrees with us, whether others agree with us. Listen, the only one we're called to agree with is God. And so if I teach them, I say I teach it the way that I really think it's taught, right? And so, uh, you know, uh, don't, uh, don't back away from it. Don't be ashamed from it, right? Never be ashamed from what the Word of God says or teaches. And, right, because our job is to help people. And so I don't want to get it to all that, but I want to say this. No matter what area of life you're dealing about, no matter what topic you're dealing about, God sets the best standards, God sets the best standards. Let me give you this verse. Leviticus 19.2 says, Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel and say unto them, Ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And that's what he wants us to be in every area of our life. Our standard is not to be the world's standard. The world doesn't set the standard for us. We're supposed to set the standard for them according to the precepts and principles of the Word of God. And there must be people in our generation who will say, we are God's people, and we will live according to God's standard. Living the Christian life must start in the heart, of course, with our devotion to Jesus Christ. We don't live from a list, right? But if we really love the Lord, amen, (laughs) we'll want to sort of live according to the list if there is one, right? As long as it's Bible-based, Right. We don't, as a preacher, we're not supposed to preach our preferences. We're not supposed to preach, you know, what, the way we like to see things, but what the word of God says. And God says there is a difference between the sexes. Boy, the world will try to tell you there's not much difference today, but the Bible makes it clear. Genesis 1:27 says this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And them be the only two. Now, that's not good English, but it's good Bible. Amen? <laughs> then be the only two, right? I know. So, so, Amy, she'll correct me later on that. Don't know how I should have said it, but the important thing is I said it. Amen? Deuteronomy 22.5 says this, The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are an abomination unto the Lord God. Now, that word, that verse, I, I think it's often uh, misused, but... That doesn't matter. What's important is what does it teach clearly, right? Of course, in context, I think it's about what we see a lot today. You know, a woman, a man dressing, well, we call it drag today, or we might say a woman dressing like a dyke or whatever. I don't know if that's a good word. I don't know whatever word they they use today, drag, dyke, whatever. You know, that's how they dress out there. And uh, so they shouldn't, right? A a, a woman shouldn't. Is there another better way to say that? Is there a better way to say that? I don't know. Huh? Cross, oh, cross-dressing. Okay, all right. Well, what's that mean? It means she's dressing like a dyke, he's dressing like a drag, I guess. Anyways, I'll move on from there. But what does it, what this verse does make clear, right, that what you wear matters. That is what it made clear. You know, you can say, well, does it mean this or that? Well, here, what is clear is that it matters what you wear as a man. It matters what you wear as a woman. That's clear. There is a way a woman is to dress, and there is a way a man is dressed. Otherwise, they wouldn't say, oh, he's wearing, dressed like a woman. He's dressed like a woman. So obviously, there's a way that a, a woman's supposed to dress and the way a man's supposed to dress. That's clear. So that ta- talks about identity, 
right? Men and women are different. And you know what? Everything about them, right, should be noticeably different. Even the way they dress should be noticeably different. That's a man. That's a woman. Revelation, I think this is interesting, 9-7 says this. And talking about these that are coming. And the shapes of the locusts were likened to horses prepared unto battle. And on their heads were, as it were, crowns like gold. And their faces were as the faces of men. And, and then verse 8 says this. And they had hair as the hair of women. And their teeth were as the teeth of lions. So obviously, there are certain hairstyles that pertain to women. Otherwise, why would they say, oh, when you think, oh, hair like a woman. So obviously, there must be a certain way about hair for women if it makes that statement or the way a man looks. And talking about manliness, just talking about the, the difference between the two, manliness, Christian manliness, should include humility and boldness. Humility and boldness. Because in a man, if you have humility without boldness, well, that'll produce an effeminate man, and we certainly don't want that. Oh, I don't want to get sidetracked on that. I hate a sissy man. Boldness without humility produces a destructive man. So we need that balance. We need to be bold as men, but we also need to have a humility. And so the Bible makes clear between the man and the woman. And so the Bible shows us there is a difference between dressing to be presentable and dressing for sexuality. The Bible makes that clear. There's a difference. Again, notice 1 Timothy 2.9. Notice, notice how this verse starts. It says, In like manner, also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness, sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array. Notice how that verse starts. You don't hear this much. We usually just goes about, wow, this is the way a woman should dress. And guy, you know, preacher go off on that for 45 minutes. Well, no. What does the whole verse say? It, say, it starts off in like manner. So, well, when it says in like manner, that means there was something said right before it. Well, what was said right before it? Well, look at verse 8. It says, I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up hands, what does it say? Without wrath and doubting. So think about that thought. Without wrath. Well, what does it mean in like, like manner? Again, the last thing that was said before this statement was without wrath and doubting. So whatever a woman, it tells a woman to do here in this case, she's supposed to do without wrath and doubting. What does that mean? Right? Well, without wrath and doubting means this, without showing anger or getting upset about it. Hey, God wants you to dress this way. Don't get upset about it. Right? And with purpose or on purpose, with intention. That's what that means. Hey, praise the Lord, right, in the right spirit. Right? We're supposed to praise the Lord in the right spirit. Well, in like manner, what God is saying to do here, do it with the right spirit. So it mentions things like apparel. So, but it mentions things besides apparel. A lot of times, you know, I've heard these things preached and, you know, the preacher just go off on apparel, but it mentions there's a lot more to a woman being modest than just her apparel. But really, I realize talking about women, but you know, it, the, the, there's, a, there's a thing about men being modest too, the Bible teaches. But notice it mentions shamefacedness. That means to still have some bashfulness about it, still be willing to blush, right? In other words, you know, they should still, you know, you don't see too much blushing anymore, right? And the Bible talks about that. But listen, they should, they should still have a humility and an a, 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 a innocence, if you will, 
right? People don't blush anymore. Jeremiah 8.12 says this about uh, God's people. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not all ashamed. Neither could they blush. Boy, you look out in the world and the way they're doing things today, they do not blush anymore. It also mentions sobriety. That means moderation of desire, right? Controlling your desires, controlling your passions, and watching your conduct. It even mentions the way a woman wears her hair. It says braided hair. That means plated or woven. So even those things matter. And a lot of times we'll get zeroed in on one aspect of this. But this verse mentions many things. I thought this was interesting. We We all know about Jezebel, right? Jezebel, 2 Kings 9.30 says this. Remember when they were, Jehu was coming in? I thought, notice this. When Jehu was come to Jezreel, 2 Kings 9.30, Jezebel heard of it. Now, what'd she do? She painted her face, right, and tired her hair. I thought that was an interesting statement. And looked out the window. That word tired means to make pleasing, right? She was trying to fix her up, to try and make herself look good. Maybe she could influence Jehu by the way she looked. That's what she was doing, Right? It isn't clear. So why, why did she do that? It was clear by the way she was presenting herself, her intentions weren't right. Right? She, was, she wasn't trying to just look presentable. She was trying to look, well, I don't know how to say it, you know, sexy for Jehu, I guess, whatever. And that's what she was trying to do. That's the way she presented herself. This verse also mentions gold, pearls, costly array, expensive, not in the sense of just because you can afford something, but in the sense of doing it maybe in a showy way. So again, this doesn't mean that women should be a plain Jane. No offense if your name's Jane. That's just a statement, right? But again, let's look at what this verse says, 2 Timothy 2.9. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness, sobriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. So modest, what does that mean? Orderly, decent, someone who quietly does right. Someone who, see, it's about the spirit. A lot of times we think it has to do with the dress. It does, but where it really starts is with the spirit they have. You see, who quietly does right, who's self-controlled, to freely, who, who freely places limits on oneself. That means, listen, hey, what is going to please God? Right? The world says this, but I'm freely putting these limits on myself because I'm modest. I'm I want to please God in everything that I do. It means the inner godly self expressing itself outwardly. So in apparel, that means in apparel that is decent, that shows self-control, and that shows limits. Notice, you know, it's interesting, that same word modest, do you know the same word is used in chapter 3, verse 2, when it's talking about preachers. But it's not talking about his clothing, it's talking about his attitude. Look at what it says in verse 2 of chapter 3. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of wife, vigilant, sober, look at this, of good behavior. That statement right there, good behavior, is the same word as modest in 2.9. It's the same word of good behavior. So it is more than about dress. It's also about attitude. And that's why it says in like manner, in like manner. You see these same thoughts in 1 Peter Chapter 3. Uh, turn over there if you want to. 1 Peter chapter 3, and I'll read verses 1 through 4. It gives the same thought. Likewise, ye wives, 
be in subjection unto your own husbands. Own husbands being the key there. That if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold, look at this, your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Who's adorning? Here it is. Who's adorning? Let it not be the outward adorning. Look, plating of the hair. It mentions hair again. Wearing of gold, of putting on of apparel, right? The way you dress. But let it be, here it is, the hidden man of the heart. See that thought about the attitude, that thought about the right spirit in which one is not corruptible. Even the ornament, look at this, of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. That word chase conversation, of course, means a controlled or modest lifestyle. He sees your controlled or modest lifestyle. You're willing to put yourself under those freely, under those limitations, because it pleases God, and hopefully it'll win your husband. So verse 3 again, notice hairstyle is mentioned. Jewelry is mentioned, also apparel, right? So you see you're getting a whole picture here. You know, I get focused on one thing, but you're getting the whole picture about the whole person. A meek and quiet spirit. Again, an attitude is emphasized. Because a woman can be dressed, quote unquote, modestly, right? We might say, oh, well, she's dressed by, but the way she carries herself can come across as immodest. Immodest means wanting in the reserve or restraint, which decency requires, not limited in due bounds. In other words, they're immodest. It's the opposite. Someone who's modest freely limits themselves. One who's immodest... <laughs> doesn't have limits or the same limits, wanting in chastity and lewd. So it's the thought of this, the thought of drawing attention to oneself for the wrong purpose. That's not what you're supposed to do. Trying to accentuate something. That's what you're doing. When you're dressing in modesty or not dressing in modesty, a woman is trying or a man even right? It goes for men too. A lot of times women get the tough, right? But even includes men. You're trying to accentuate. That means, that word accentuate means to make something more prominent or noticeable. A woman is trying to make something more prominent or noticeable about her. A man is trying to, to do the same, to emphasize, to accent. That means to give special emphasis, concern, or attention. It is clear attire, man or woman, will impact what people think about you and also show what it is you are trying to communicate to others. Let me say it again. Show what you are trying to communicate. Are you trying to communicate, I have limits? Or are you trying to communicate, I don't have limits? That's clear in Proverbs 7, verses 9 through 11, which say this. It says, In the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark of the night, and behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and subtle of heart. She is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. But notice that. Her, the what? Doesn't you say heart? It says the attire of a harlot. So obviously, the way she was dressed, showing she was trying to emphasize something, right? She was trying to get attention. You see the same thing. We looked at Hosea. When Hosea's wife went out, Hosea 2.13 says this. I will visit upon her the days of Balaam, wherein she burned incense to them. Look, and she decked herself with what? With earrings and her jewels. Right? Notice that. It wasn't just 
the dress she was wearing, but with earrings, with jewels. And she wived because, and she went after her lovers. She was trying to, when they saw, when she, when the, uh, they saw her, right? They wanted her to go, oh, oh, wow, right? But they could tell by the way she was dressed, what she was trying to say by the way she was dressed. It says, after her lovers, and forget me, saith the Lord. The immodest person, now, this is pretty straightforward. I'm going to say, listen, the immodest person wears clothing that calls attention, we'll say it this way, to the sexual zones of his or her body. Right? They need to understand that. I'm going to say that again because it needs to be clear. Young people need to understand this. The immodest person wears clothing that calls attention to the sexual zones of his or her body, and that makes their clothing immodest. So, just saying it, if the pants or leggings you are wearing do that, you're immodest. If the skirt or dress you're wearing do that, you are immodest. If the whatever you're wearing does that, you're immodest according to the Word of God. And so here's the thing, the, the key verse, I think, you know, people like to go off on those verses and, and go off, but I think the key verse that'll tell what a person's to do is verse 10. Verse 10 to me is the key verse, because what does it say? But which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Now notice that, professing godliness, modesty, a right attitude, and godliness. That's the issue. Professing means this. Professing means to proclaim a public announcement. That's what it means. Professing means what are you trying to proclaim publicly? By the way, men, women, by the way you dress, by the way you carry yourself, what are you trying to proclaim in public? Are you trying to proclaim that I'm a child of God? Are you trying to proclaim, amen, I want to be godly? I want to be holy? What are you trying to proclaim? That's what you need to ask yourself. When you walk out the door and you look at yourself in the mirror, what am I trying to proclaim to the public when I walk out this door? Am I trying to proclaim godliness? Am I trying to proclaim that I'm a child of God? What am I trying to publicly announce by the way I care myself? Is it godliness? Is it holiness? Or is it something else? When I look at myself in the mirror, Again, what am I professing by my appearance? My clothing, my hair, my jewelry, etc. What am I, we can say this, what am I dressing for or who am I dressing for is the question. Notice, let me give you some verses. Isaiah 61.10 says this, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. Now here, I want you to catch this last sentence, what it says. As a bridegroom decketh himself. He's getting decked out. Amen. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that was a biblical term, getting decked out, right? As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments. And look at this. As a bride adorneth herself with jewels. So there's nothing wrong with wearing jewels, right? There's nothing wrong with wearing some ornaments. But again, 
what he's trying to say with those. Okay, notice that statement in Isaiah 61 then. Decketh himself, who's he doing it for? Her, as a bride adorneth herself. Who's she doing it for? Him. Revelation 19, when it talks about even the church. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And look what it says. His wife hath made herself ready. Did you catch that? His wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the linen is the righteous of saints. But here's the thought, Isaiah 61.10. A bridegroom decketh himself for her, as a bride adorneth herself for him. And the, 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 her bride's coming, talking about the church, but the principle is his wife hath made herself ready. So what are we saying here? He dressed for her, she dressed for him. He dressed for her, she dressed for him. So everyone, of course, everyone for believers should be dressing for the Lord. And if you are dressing a certain way, for anyone else besides the Lord, it should be your spouse. Women are supposed to dress for him. Guys are supposed to dress for her. You know what I'm, right? So let me say it again. Everyone should be dressing for the Lord as professing godliness. And, you, and if you are dressing again for anyone else, it should be your spouse. And if it is anyone else besides the Lord or your spouse, well, chances are it's not right. Psalms 90 verse 17 says this, And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou it. Thou it. So as I finish up here, there must be a difference in our lives if we are going to make a difference with our lives. And that includes every aspect of our lives. So the, the desire to dress modestly, to be identified as a man, or to be identified as a woman, and to hold God's standards comes not from a checklist, but from a desire to please God, from a desire to please God. What we see on the outside Oh, God looks on the heart, but God does say man does look on the outward appearance. So, you know, I understand there, but that is still a principle. That's still a good principle to lose. God looks on the heart, man, man looks on the outward. And that's, I have to remember that. What we see on the outside truly is only evidence of what is going on on the inside. So notice what it says, verse 10, but which becometh women professing godliness. Look, look at uh, verse 2 and verse 3. Again, as we finish up, for kings, talking about prayer, and for all that are in authority, that we may what lead a quiet and peaceable life. How does he want us to live our life? In godliness and honesty. And the way we present ourselves as men, Christian men, and the way we present ourselves as Christian women is part of our life of godliness and honesty before God. And, it, and again, why do we do that? Well, verse 3, again, Tells us why. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. Not just praying, but doing these things. Not just being a hearer of the word and a prayer of the word, but a doer of the word. So when we pray, that's good and acceptable in the sight of God because that's what helps make us godless. When we, when we go out there and we present ourselves and we speak publicly, not with our words, but we speak publicly about the way we present ourselves in public, right? For 
as people professing godliness, you know what? That's good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. And that's whose sight matters. This includes, again, the way we carry ourselves and our attitude and our apparel. As Christians, may the Lord help us to keep God's standards of modesty and identity. And identity. That's a man. That's a woman. How can you tell? Well, I can tell by the way they dress. I can tell by their hair. I can tell, well, you know, look like a man and look like a woman. Not just that. Look like a Christian man. Look like a Christian woman because that's good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Let's pray.